What changes should we see to the Florida Gators' depth chart heading into the game against McNeese State this weekend? We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. Today we are going to be joined again by Hayden Hansen, Florida Gators redshirt freshman tight end, that if you were here last year, Every Wednesday, he would be here during the season. Same thing this year. He's going to be here every Wednesday for the remainder of the season. But before we get joined by Hayden, as always, every Wednesday, I'm going to try to make some, we'll say, suggestions to the Florida Gators depth chart from the previous week leading into the new week. I'm starting off with linebacker. And this one's not really a, a big shifting anything around. But I'm starting with linebacker because I need whoever is in charge of publishing the the, uh, depth chart to remove the or after Scooby Williams. Okay? It needs to be just Scooby Williams at at starting linebacker with Shamar James. Like, And I know that last year I gave Scooby quite a bit of of, uh, of junk there. After the South Florida game, I thought that was a bad performance. It is very clear that he spent a lot of this offseason working. And the South Florida game specifically, my biggest knock on him was the lack of clear communication from him. Because that's what you're supposed to be doing as the mic there. That was not an issue against Utah. There were a lot of problems in the Florida Gators just organization against the Utah Utes. Scooby Williams was not one of them. Okay, strong run defense, just just filling his gap, getting to the run fit. Strong run defense. When he got to rush the passer, excel. I think he might have had the most pressures on the team, actually. He had, if I'm not mistaken, it was four pressures on seven pass rush attempts. Like he was timing those things up beautifully. Didn't give up ground and coverage. And the biggest compliment there, he was so vocal. As a just communicator on the defensive side, you kept seeing him turn around. And I, I know that I, I mentioned this, I think yesterday or two days ago, but you kept seeing him turn around like rubbing his belly. And I don't know what the call is. I have no idea what that means, but guess what? He was doing it. Cause like he was turning around. He's making communication. He, he was making the calls. He was making changes, whatever, everything he was doing was just going very well. And so I was impressed with what Scooby Williams did. Thought he was the second best linebacker on the field for the Florida Gators behind only Shamar James. And I'd like to see that duo on the field a lot more for the remainder of the 2023 season. The we'll, we'll go to offense for the rest of this tight end. I'm expecting to see a little bit of shifting here. We saw the depth chart last week had Arliss Boardingham listed as the third tight end in one of the spots, which to me indicates hey, he's the fifth or sixth on the depth chart. He tweeted out, I believe it was Friday, that he's healthy. 
was he not healthy before that? Because he wasn't listed on the depth chart as as uh, injured. He was on the depth chart as third tight end at that spot. Was not there on the injury report at the bottom. Did not play against Utah. So I don't know if that was just just coach's decision or if he really couldn't go, which we saw at the last second. We saw Kingsley Iguakin get officially ruled out, you know, a couple hours before the game, maybe maybe an hour or two before the game. And so we saw that happen. So it's possible that happened there too. I would expect this year to see, or this week, to see Jonathan Odom as one of the, start, as one of the starting tight ends. And then I'd be curious to see what we see at the other one. Because also, last week, uh, Tony Livingston was listed over Jonathan Odom. This week, I would expect to see Jonathan Odom listed over Tony Livingston, especially because Tony Livingston played, I think it was four offensive snaps last year, did not play after his catch and slip uh, on, on third and 19, and did not play after that. Then you look at the other tight end spot, uh, Dante Sanders started there, but then for the most, if not entirety, of the second half, it was Hayden Hansen and Jonathan Odom were the two tight ends out there playing the most. Does that indicate that they're going to be the starting duo moving forward? Now, I'm not even making a suggestion here. I'm just curious about what the depth chart is going to look like and what the rotation is going to look like at tight end. Or maybe not so much rotation because the top two tight ends at each of the spots on the depth chart, they all played. So it's more so what will the depth chart look like? Who's going to be starting? I'm curious to see what that looks like once these guys keep going. Because if you look at just performance, Jonathan Odom was the best tight end on the field. Then it was Hayden. Tony, you could just strike from that conversation because he played four snaps. It's impossible to give a true evaluation of those four snaps. So Tony removed from it, and Dante Sanders had a bad football game. Non-existent in the passing game. His one target, if I'm not mistaken, was that fourth and three shovel pass. And in the run game, wasn't doing an awesome job. So I'm just curious to see what that's going to look like because we have no idea at this point. So I'm curious to see how that works out. Then you look at right tackle. This one is a suggestion. It's not a question. Lindell Hudson Jr. should be starting over Damian George at right tackle. And like I'll, I'll just be blunt with it and say that based on my now four rewatches of that game, because I'm a sick, sick individual, so based on those four rewatches, I was left unimpressed by what Damian George put on tape. And I know that basically everybody this week is going to impress or should impress against McNeese. So this week isn't going to change that. Next week, you got Tennessee. Things to change there. But I would like to see Lindell Hudson Jr. get the start over Damian George, assuming he is full go, which I will make that assumption that he is fully cleared to go. So Damian George should not be starting over Lindell Hudson Jr. And if he should be starting over Lindell Hudson Jr., then man, do we have a right tackle problem in Gainesville. Because what Damian George put on film was not good. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, too many penalties, because I know he got called for, I believe, three false starts. And one was his fault. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, yeah, he's too penalized. One was his fault. Um, so for me, I just think Lindell Hudson Jr., like, 
I'm not even going to be like, oh, Linda Hutchinson, you're so good. Damian George looked bad against Utah. Okay? He looked bad against Utah. And mm, looking bad, not what I want to see in the football field for the Florida Gators. So th- those are my suggestions and question at tight end there. Because, again, I- I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'd be completely unbiased. I do want to see Hayden start. But I just want to see what's going to happen there because Hayden played most of the second half as the starting tight end there. Dante Sanders played poorly. Jonathan Odom was the best tight end out there. Tony Livingston didn't play after slipping. Who knows what's going to happen this week? Arliss Bordingham didn't play. Who knows what's going to happen, but I'm very interested and very curious to see. We are about to be joined by Hayden Hansen before we talk to Hayden. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check to know the part will fit, or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. And after all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Gator Nation, let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joining me now for Locked On Gators. Once again, he's back. It's Hayden Hansen, Florida Gators retro freshman tight end. And I'm just going to jump right into it because you were here last year, redshirted last year. This year, Utah game didn't go off to how any of us wanted it to go. But it was your first live game experience. So just what was that like to finally play for the Florida Gators? Oh, man, I mean, it was awesome, bro. I mean, last year was a long season. I mean, no one wants to redshirt, you know, but something you got to do. You just got to develop every day. But I mean, once I hit that field, man, I mean, I thought I would be nervous. I was more nervous about just waiting for them to call me in, honestly. Once I hit that field, I mean, I just did what I did all, all training camp, all my training, you know. That was the easy part of going out there and showing everyone what I could do. So, I mean – that was awesome. And getting my first catch, I mean, that was surreal stuff. Yeah, what was what was cooler for you? Uh, blocking Lander Barton into the ground on your first snap uh, in your college career or getting your first career catch? Uh, I mean, that's a good question, man. Uh, I'm about to go with the catch just because, I mean, you know, like big wise, you know, we don't really – we don't really get. We have more of a chance to block someone to the ground and get a get a pass thrown, you know. So I think I'll go with the pass. And I I have to ask, because I don't know about you or anybody watching this, personally, I was a nervous wreck the entire day before that game. Like, we got to the last, like, two hours, and, like, my girlfriend was like, are you okay? Like, my hands were, like, shaking. I I, I was pumped for it. So what was that like for you just leading into the game where I think 
we both kind of knew like, hey, this is going to be the time where you finally got onto the field, yeah, yeah. most likely. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I did. I mean, I'd say what hit me the night before I was in the hotel with um, Andrew Savai and I, another tight end, and I threw ate our team dinner. I was like, man, do you feel sick? Was it the food? I was like, uh, maybe it's just me, man. Like, I was getting lightheaded. And then once we got the next day, going to the team walkthrough and stuff, before we departed from the stadium, I was kind of antsy. But once we hit that walk to the stadium, you know, I was like, you know, this is like this is what you live for right here. Doing warm up, seeing them across the field, you know, it's just like just like you're back in high school. It's just man versus man, you know. At the end of the day, you just gotta beat the guy in front of you. And uh, I mean, once we put the pads on, it kind of started to slowly fade. But you know, you get that you know, butterflies before you get on the field. So I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Andrew Savai and I because obviously you wouldn't know this, but we have a movement here on Lockdown Gators to get him to play fullback. Uh, that is, the, I I know someone on the staff watches this at some point. Andrew Savai and I. Fullback. The dude, dude's a take, man. He's he's 99th percentile height, 98th percentile weight for NFL fullbacks. Oh, so yeah. I just need him back there. That's yeah. that's all I'm saying. We love 12 personnel. Let's get 22 in there. Yeah. Um, I'm asking about that. But when you went to Salt Lake City, obviously one of the big, uh, not even store, a big talking point before the game was the elevation. W- was it really that drastic of a difference to go from Gainesville to Salt Lake City? I mean, uh, speaking from my personal experience, the only time I noticed, like, the effect was, I think it was the fourth quarter, probably my longest drive in the game, I was in for about 12, 10 plays straight. The only thing, I mean, you, you mouth breathe a little more, and your mouth gets a lot drier. That's the only thing I really noticed. Like, you kind of drink a little more. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I mean, really didn't notice much. And last year when you came to Florida, or even when you committed to Florida when Billy Napier came from Louisiana, Tight end coach is William Piegler. Since then, he, he's gone to the NFL now, and now Russ Callaway is the tight ends coach. How different of an experience has that been going from someone who – William Piegler has a reputation as more of a recruiter than anything else, whereas Russ Callaway, complete opposite, has a reputation as more of an X's and O's guy. So how has that been just in the tight end room going from someone who's more of a recruiter to someone who's thought of as more of a, a football on the field mind? Yeah, I mean, Callaway is awesome, man. I mean, he he really does care about each tight end individually. I mean, he got, he got to know us very well when he first transitioned. Um, he's always a guy that I can call, talk to, been to his house multiple times. Um, I mean, I kind of I kind of like that. Um, he's kind of more about us before he is recruiting. You know, he's more, but he's making sure we're all straight. Uh, especially, he did a good job in fall camp. I mean, um, even before that, like right when people at Leatherton, he got the job. Um, I really he helped me get the system down a lot faster, um, just because he spent he spent a lot of time with me and the other young guys. Um, we have a we have a coach named Coach Post, who's kind of the the co tight end coach, and uh, they really um, they really worked on us a lot this offseason, and I think it's showing. Um, so yeah, that's Justin Postuma. Postuma. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was just I'm so sorry that I know I screwed that up, but I'm just going based off reading it. Um, but so last year. Redshirt freshman season. What would you say was your biggest area of improvement from your true freshman season to now your redshirt freshman season? Because also you're someone who this is what now your third season playing tight end, second and a half, I guess yeah, you can say. Because you went from quarterback to tight end. Yeah. So I mean, the biggest thing I needed to do was get the system down and like fast, 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 like communicate with the O line. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge frame, so like, I mean, I'll, like. Of course, the run game is something I can cover people up, but I mean, that's useless if I don't know who to go to with the combos, you know. So that was a huge thing for me. Napier, everyone emphasized that. 
And I got that straightened up. I mean, I know it like the back of my hand now. And I, I play so much faster, communicate, have that trust built. So, I mean, it's only up from here now. Yeah, Last season, obviously, it was your retro season, but Anthony Richardson was in that quarterback. Top five pick in the NFL draft, obviously undeniable talent. You still practice with him out there, even if it wasn't during game time. This season, it's Grammertz. And as a pass catcher, just just what is that like going from – I mean, just two vastly different quarterbacks. Just obviously, Graham and, and AR are very not similar because AR thrown 90 miles at you no matter how close you are to him. Um, but what was that like going from ju- just having that different style quarterback? Yeah, so I mean, I'd say really the only difference is um, when Graham gets out of like when AR got out of the pocket, you knew there was about 90 harvest chance he's tucking it and running. But when Graham gets out of the pocket, um, I'd kind of stay locked in a little longer because I know he's going to try and extend the play and throw it downfield, you know. So, that, I mean, that's really the only area that I would say is different. I just stay locked in longer on Graham because I know – and, I mean, he has no problem running. I think you saw that in Utah. He'll put his shoulder down. He'll put it, He'll put his life on the line for that logo. But, uh, I mean, he's obviously going to try and pass it first. So, I just got to stay locked in on him. Yeah, I will say that for me, I think all the surprises that came from the Utah game, one of the biggest ones was Graham – keeping it on, I think it was the first drive or second drive. Yeah, he, I was, he kept, I was surprised. Really, he, he did not slide. He didn't hesitate, put his shoulder down. I love that. Yeah, it, it was it was something. Uh, and thank goodness he did it. It was, just, it was like great to see because the big storyline for Graham Mertz or, or a lot of people were talking about was just like, he, obviously we know he's not Anthony Richardson, but a lot of people were like, oh, he's completely immobile. So for him to kind of just first drive or second drive, be like, hey, I'm going to keep this right now pick up five yards and later, of course, in the game, uh, a third down, I believe. And, and he had his scramble that he, again, just ate a hit and he, and he was fine with it. So it's great to see him working out there, but moving to some of the off field stuff this past summer, I believe it was uh, maybe late spring. You got to spend a, a week in New York city. You were doing the, the travel you saw everything you almost dropped the record uh what was that experience like for you to just kind of see all of the different businesses you guys went to you went to wall street i forgot which record label maybe interpol or something like that but public records yeah yeah there we go um so so what was that experience like for you dude i mean it was awesome i mean my favorite part was probably like louis vuitton or ogilvy like the advertising company um it really opened my eyes, like especially with Republic Records. Like, I mean, those those people produce for Drake, like the biggest stars you can think of, Ariana Grande. And I mean, sitting down with one of the producers, just the work he puts in, it's a lot like football. Um, I mean, that guy said he puts in fourteen hour days, almost seven days a week. Because I mean, it's so competitive. Like, you want to mix your beats and have it. Like, because Drake can easily go find someone else. You know, so you got to make sure you're producing the best. And um, they were kind of showing us like the new um, the new audio, like how they were hitting up Fifty Cent about trying to. Um, take his old songs and like move it to like where the beats kind of like move around you. Like, you know, with the new headphones, they try to make it 3d and uh, this cool stuff. I mean, he accepted it. Dr. Dre did not, he didn't want any part of it, but uh, so I mean, that was cool. And then like Louis Vuitton and stuff, just seeing the work that goes behind the luxury brand and how they, who they like the system of how they pick to represent their brand. They're very picky. They made that clear. And um, other than that, like the stock market was cool where they opening bell and everyone just goes crazy. You know, it's a madhouse, but I mean, there's just so much money to be made. It was really cool to like, kind of open my eyes about everyone's football career ends. You just never know when, and you got to know what to do after that. So that's a Gatormade does a great job with that. Yeah. So you got to do that with Gatormade. I know that now you're with Florida victorious. 
what what has that experience been like for you with Florida Trust? I know that you've guys been doing a lot of work just in the community. So how's that been going for you? Yeah. So just just the uh, Gator Bait is uh, the NIL. That that's a separate staff, but uh, yeah, Florida Victorious. Um, they're awesome, man. I mean, they care about us. Um, the just the community service they have us doing to um for to get the NIL is awesome. Because I mean, we should give back. Um, and I, I love it because there's so many options. Like you could go to elementary school, read, um, you can go to the YMCA, give swim lessons, you can go help build homes for people. Um, just gives you a great, great opportunity with your brand to help people post it on your Instagram, social media, um, influence other people to um, help around here and wherever they're from, you know, it's just, it's great to spark change. And before I let you go, um, I can't believe we didn't talk about this last time, but didn't know it existed. Uh, you have a tattoo, at least one and, and locked on Gators listeners. No, love tattoos here so i i am going to ask just, just what is it is it something like significant to you or are you kind of just like this is cool as hell so i'm gonna do it yeah i mean it was, it was both uh, it's archangel michael it's a huge on my side it's him that he has a wing that goes up over here um i mean i just um i saw it i've been seeing it for a while i kind of put my own touch to it um just kind of remind me of my religion and stuff and stay true um so yeah, I mean, I I have a guy in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, he did a great job on it. So uh, yeah, that's about it. How long did it take? Because you're you're a big dude as it is. So if it's uh, a big piece on you, then man, let me tell you, worst six hours of my life, right on the rib cage, man. Four needles at the same time. It did not go by fast. Yeah, um, my tattoo my tattoo took about thirty minutes. So it was it was slightly different there. But thanks, Hayden, so much. Uh, you'll be back here every week locked on gators listeners if you don't know the drill hayden hansen florida gators tight end catch him actually on the field this year very excited to see that and very excited to see you continue i need i need at least one body in the run game and one catch every week i'm, I'm that's that's the goal let graham know if he has to force feed you he has to do it <laughs> yes sir thanks for making lockdown gators your first listen of the day every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football versus McNeese. Very excited for that one. For your second listen, check out Locked On SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And I will see you all tomorrow.